Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 454. Uh, Anthony's with me, but Lynn's decided to not show up. I think she might have quit or something. Hey, you know. Yeah, you show such, back up. And such then a dominant figure shows up in a room, right? It's intimidating. The energy, you know, she was just overwhelmed by it, I'm sure. Yeah, she just felt like her presence wasn't needed anymore. And, <laughs> but then, now that I think of it, though, we do need her, so... Hopefully she'll come back. We were only able to talk for what, like... <laughs> a long time. Two hours? <laughs> Re- yeah, recorded time, about an hour and a half. Uh, actual talk, which happens all the time with all the stuff we say not recorded. Yeah, and, and that's how it, it normally goes. Yeah. But, but anyways, uh, in this episode, we started off with what we promised last week of learning what NFTs were. Thank you for that, Anthony. Yep, nice little intro. Give everybody a chance to understand uh, why it's stupid and why you shouldn't care about it. Yep, uh, we got some good comic book reviews, but also talked about some big things that are happening with AT&T and Discovery, and that's still a breaking story, and I'm sure that's going to have repercussions coming on out uh, in the years. media world. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, some Pokemon, some Magic the Gathering, some D&D, some VR, some video games, some... A lot of anime, content. yeah, manga, all of it. Weird so, manga too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, grab a cold one and enjoy Drunk on Comics podcast episode four hundred and fifty four from Crypto to Comics. Type of shows do you typically watch? Uh, for fun. So I guess it depends too. So you're talking about like sit down, right? Not like I'm playing a game. Like like you would get into the like series. Yeah. So definitely stuff. I mean, I'll use a couple examples. So action and adventure for sure. So things like Invincible, uh, things like The Boys, things like. Um, you know, Voltron, Castlevania. It could be animated. Um, there's a show called Troll Hunter. Okay, anything outside of the stuff that you know I would like to. Like, do you, well, do you I mean, that's break what, out? I mean, maybe. It depends. It's got to have a good... So I actually watched for a while. I'm, I've been meaning to catch up. Um, I think it's called The Bodyguard. It's like a British... Whitney Houston? No. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I think it's called The Bodyguard. Yes, it's uh, UK the, with... The UK uh, one? Uh, uh, one of the Stark boys. Yes, uh, Richard Madden is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually watched that, and that's just like straight drama, right? Yeah. So it's all about like, there's some political stuff, there's some romantic romance drama, stuff like that. And I really got into that. I was actually watching that for a while. And then for a short period of time, uh, with my free time, but actually put together like a puzzle and watch, um, what is it? Uh... Queer Eye on Netflix because they made like the new Queer Eye series and so I started checking out and it's like the most wholesome like lift you up series so anything that feels like fulfilling is done so like certain shows like The Office I won't watch because it's too cringy and it's too real because I know people like the people in The Office so it just like hurts me like emotionally to see those people but then um, yeah comedies adventures for sure 
dramas if they're good if they have a good story that doesn't need to have a bunch of action and stuff but it needs to be able to grip me and typically pretty quickly i mean something like if you look like the magicians right it's got a lot of drama in it but where the drama might fail it has magic and so i'm more inclined to watch it if it has magic but those kinds of things so there is a show that i recently discovered which i guess has been out for a while but once things come to netflix mm-hmm. you then rediscover certain, certain shows you. that were out yeah and it's called Startup. Okay. And it's got a great cast, but ultimately it's about a startup company. So already I'd heard some reviews of people saying, like, this is a great uh, you know, show. It's got Martin Freeman, who mm-hmm. was Bilbo, and I like everything that he's been in. And um, at Adam Brody, I believe. Um, but other than that, besides the, the cast, the show is about... This person who came up with this great algorithm for a crypto coin. Okay. And she wants to start this business. And actually, I'd say this is... Have you ever watched... Um, oh, what was the... It was on HBO with the startup tech company. Um, oh, Silicon Valley? Yes. Yeah. This is like more intense Silicon Valley because some of the things is that it like happen like a less that, comedic? No, this is or... like super drama. Because okay. what ends up happening is... Um, uh, the person who is going to invest in this takes his dad's stolen money that was, uh, f- like, taken from drug kingpins and stuff, which then one of them, who was in charge of a gang who was trying to get out of the gang, like, life, invested $300,000 in, like, the bank. But then there's a corrupt uh, FBI agent who then knows about it, who is blackmailing him. So the dad leaves, but then the kid has it and then invests in this company. And then the person wants it back, but then the gang wants it back. And then there's some shit going on. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's like, I started just binge watching it. Um, how, so when did it start? Like how old is it? So from what I found out, it, it was on crackle. I never heard of it. <laughs> yes, Crackle is. I want to say it's. That's not an. On, it's. It's got a channel, and they've had a couple shows. They did uh, Joe Dirt too. Now, Crackle. This started in 2016. Uh, they had 2000. They had three seasons, and the last season debuted 2019. Now, granted, there's still the pandemic and everything. The show was never canceled on Crackle, but it's also been like two years since the last of it debuted. So all three seasons are on. Netflix right now. So is this like short form or is it like full like 45 minute episodes? Yeah. Or? Okay. And the first season had like I think yeah like 13 episodes or so. and That's interesting. You said it's about a crypto. They're making a crypto coin. Yeah. Because that's like all you know that's the biggest thing in financial news right now is crypto. So if it's you know if the show is a couple year, years old I mean they were getting pretty no, I, like I, on the early fringes of it it'd be interesting to I say this, I think you would like it. Now, this mm-hmm. is not comic book and all related, but I bring it up because there was the thing last week that we were talking about that you were going to try to inform me and Lynn's, and since she doesn't want to be here, she's going to have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> but NFTs, yep. are those crypto coins? Are those, what are they? Because just another way to launder money? Yeah, so I think uh, the best example, and if uh, anybody wants to... Uh, look it up. There's an artist, um, uh, gosh, Beeple, B-E-E-P-L-E is his name. He's kind of the first artist to truly 
leverage the possibilities of NFTs. So I think he's the perfect example of where it's gonna be useful. So the flat definition, non-fungible token is what it stands for. And it basically, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a token that I give you that can't be forged that is proof that you own that token, right? So it's kind of meta in the nature of it. But so let's say, you know, in Beeple's case, so Beeple is well known as a digital artist. He does a new piece of art every single day. So he releases a brand new piece of art from built from scratch. Um, he uses a lot of like libraries of stuff. So he, it's usually like very trippy. He has, he'll have like, I think one of, well, one of his well-known one is like the spider robot thing with a giant baby doll sitting on top of it with a huge head. And it's just like slowly going, like walking and it's a loop, right? So it's like an MP4 that's looping. You know, you can put it as a gift somewhere. Um, but he sold an NFT for this piece of art. And basically all that says is that you are the owner of an NFT, of that NFT. And it's something that can't be forged because it's on the blockchain, right? So the technology that crypto coins use that make them secure and make them reliable, because that's the biggest thing, right? Is that it's decentralized, so there's no one party or bad actor can take advantage of everybody else on the network, right? If you get Bitcoin, you can't just make Bitcoins appear. Everyone has to agree that it came from the same spot. And if you don't get the majority, so over 50% to agree, then it doesn't get put on the ledger. You know, the kind of the book that everyone has a copy of in your accounts. But non-fungible tokens, NFTs, sit on the exact same network and they can't be forged because of that. But it doesn't give you any rights. Like this is the crazy thing, right? So Beeple went from probably close to a millionaire. I mean, the guy it was a very good artist, but he made a lot of money to a many multi-millionaire, right? So like in the first weekend that he did this big sale where he sold a bunch of pieces of art, he did like, gosh, I think it was like $30 million in a weekend. He went from a, an average, uh, higher at than average pay to he can retire and never do anything for the rest of his life, right? He made that much money in one weekend selling basically dirt, right? Yes, so that's what I don't understand. Like, <laughs> why NFTs are a thing and why everyone's getting on board to do them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, a, it's, the, it's kind of the digital version of me going out and taking a scoop of dirt out of your yard and then selling it to somebody and says, this is non-forgeable dirt from Tony's yard and I'm going to give you a certificate that proves it. That's basically it, right? There's nothing special about the dirt. There's nothing special about the NFT. And this is the big caveat. So let's say you bought one of the NFTs for Beeple's art. He can then turn around and license that to Disney or Fox or anybody to use that they want or sell it the actual rights to somebody else. Now that doesn't mean that anybody can take your NFT away. It's yours. It's a token that actually lives in your crypto wallet. So no one can forge it or take it away. But that's it now. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> Here's the thing. And this is where I think Beeple is a great example because of how I made it successful. Because if I just tell you what an NFT is, you go, leave my office or I'll have you arrested. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's the thing. If I come to you, you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire or something. But what Beeple did is he actually created. So if you think of like collector's editions, right? Of like movies or games or whatever, they have like the you know, the Fallout games, you could get one of the, the Pip-Boys, the things you wore in your bracelet, 
or you know if you get a movie right alien maybe you'll get like or predator you'll get one of the predator side you know the collectibles he created something like that so you're buying an nft and if you bought one of them he actually had he talked to a manufacturer and they custom created like a laser engraved like plaque that comes with it and it comes like in this big box you can look up there's pictures online of what they look like but it's also got this really cool like digital photo like frame it's pure glass there's just a uh, monitor inside a frameless monitor so you can only see the screen and it's showing the art that you purchased the nft for and like kind of this like cool artsy fashion in that like it's like zooming in on certain parts of it and it'll kind of like panorama show the whole view of it and kind of zoom in and out and stuff and it's like transitioning it's very cool it's be a very very cool thing to put you know uh, in your foyer but that's, or that's something that. physical yes that I can understand in that instance but there's comic book NFTs coming out and like I think there was something for the Wrestlemania there was like the un- an Undertaker scene NFT mm-hmm. I've seen talk of like football plays being sold as NFTs like you wouldn't get a cool like put on my mantle type display you just have nothing yeah really and i i don't i mean i i don't know if they're just targeting insane people or what here but the so, biggest thing so of, again i've watched ozark yep. i see how easy it is already to launder money with shell corporations yeah let's say i'm laundering money wow anthony that's an awesome artwork that you have there here's five million dollars mm-hmm. well and i mean the that's that's one of the big problems that right like the governments have with crypto in general is that it's exceptionally easy to launder money for it through it now the one thing is it's very traceable well that's the thing that's I guess yeah, and it's the same way, right? So, uh, on you know, this is a token. It's it's just it's no different than the idea of a single Bitcoin in your wallet, right? It's just a one bunch of ones and zeros. It's digital, but you have the data to back it up, and it's non-forgeable because of how the system works. And so, it's really just targeted at people who have too much money, and they want to have something exclusive, right? So, let's say you know some of the great you know a great running backs play. Right, you're talking about the football plays. A great running back made a play, and so the NFL, who actually has rights to that play, sells an NFT for it. Maybe you're a huge football collector. You own it. You make your own plaque, right? And <laughs> yeah. say, yes, I actually have the NFT. And it's, I would rather own the football team. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is it probably is going to cost the same, right? I mean, <laughs> these tokens end up going for five, six, ten million, eighty million. I mean, it's just nuts. So it's just rich people coming up with a new way this sounds like a pet rock like have you heard of the story how a pet rock became a pet oh. rock like yep. glued two little googly eyes on a rock and the guy made millions my mom had a pet rock yeah i remember actually i think i wanted one when i was a kid yeah. but looking back it was a rock and at least the rock is something physical mm-hmm. compared to this yeah, well there, there's not really uh that's the thing is i can tell you what it is i cannot explain to you Outside of an example like Beeple, where he makes it appealing and he creates something physical along with the digital item, I can't tell you why you would spend money on it, but kudos to the artists who are able mm-hmm. to use it to get rich people to pay for literally nothing. I mean, that is very true, too, like, eat the rich and all that, but I, you just pretty much, you didn't need to explain it in any way, you pretty much just explained that it is dumb. Yeah, yep. 
But now you know that you're not crazy in thinking that it's foolish, even though people are spending, at this point, billions of dollars on uh, NFTs. And you're like, you know, that's the one thing is when new stuff like crypto and stuff come out and you're like, okay, we're into the billions of dollars are exchanging. I think in uh, when it comes to like uh, Bitcoin, I think it's like $1.6 billion is just traded every single day in Bitcoin. Um, it's just like, okay, should I get on board? Do not worry about the NFT world. If you're rich, cool, go for it. <laughs> if you're an artist, definitely look it up because you might be able to make something extra off of your art, and which is cool. I mean, artists are often underpaid as an industry, regardless of whether it's comics or digital or whatever. So you might be able to make a little extra cash on the side. But yeah, the beauty is, as an artist, you don't lose any rights to any of your art when you do it. So there's no legal backing to it. There's no laws that regulate it. It's just the wild west of crypto. Wow. Well, thank you for that uh, nerd nugget there. Yeah. Uh, let's get into why some people normally come listen to the show, and that is some book reviews. So I have uh, two I want to talk about. One that I thought I was going to briefly just mention, but after finding out there was a secondary story in this, I, I enjoyed it a little bit more. And it's Hyperion and the Imperial Guard, number one. This is part of the Heroes Reborn uh, thing that they're doing over at Marvel, so reimagining a bunch of different stories because Captain America was never thought out, so history has not happened in the way that it would. And this takes um, Hyperion, who... There's two uh, Marvel supermen where, I mean, you can look at any person that pretty much flies in as almost invulnerable as the Superman, you know, mm -hmm. stereotype. But two that they kind of always is classified as the most powerful is Hyperion and the Sentry. Which, unfortunately, I found out those two got into uh, something within the Heroes Reborn number two uh, issue, which I didn't read yet. Uh, but this takes place with him and a mission when he was younger. Now, Hyperion is kind of a dick. And especially with what's going on now with the main uh, story of the Squadron Supreme and all that. But again, this was me. I'm like, okay, it's not Squadron Supreme. Is this going to be, you know, this version of it? But you find out that it's, um, they, they issue it as issue number 121 because there is previous issues of Hyperion and the Imperial Guard in this universe. Because this takes place before the now. Am I making sense in timeline-wise? Yeah, yep. And that's where, once I realize that, I go, oh, okay, I enjoy this a little bit more. Because already I'm seeing a different universe world. Mm -hmm. But also to realize this is also past Marvel in this new made-up world and not the what's going on in the present that yep. we already saw within the, the comic book. And this ultimately is a mission that he has with uh, the Imperial Guard um, of the Shi'ar Magistrate, so having Gladiator and and his whole group uh, go up against some, well, kind of peaceful at first, but then the Brood um, infect them, and he ultimately has to um, destroy them all in this pocket universe. This isn't why, though, I enjoyed this book so much. It was the secondary story that I didn't know was in here, which is the Starjammers. Now, do you know who the Starjammers are? I've heard of the Starjammers. All right, so um, 
Corsair is the head of the Star Jammers. Mm -hmm. Corsair is the Summer's father. Okay. Yep. So Scott and um, and Alex. And so when I was reading this, I thought it was just going to be like a, a brief story, but it was a full-on fledged story. And what they have with this is the Star Jammers because it's a new universe of this Heroes Reborn. It's half of the Star Jammers with half of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, AKA, okay. It has Rocket and and Group, but um, and then this also has the Summers Boys. So it's pretty much Corsair and his boys. Um, his girlfriend Hel Elizabeth, I believe, is her name. Um, and then them, yeah, Elizabeth. And this just it, it was an interesting dynamic of seeing this because again, the Star Jammers as a whole normally not as interested. But throw in Rocket and Groot, and I'm like, all right, I'm kind of sold. And then when you have Johnny Storm show up, who is now part of the Nova Corps, because, again, it's a different world, so he is now doing that. The Star Jammers are space pirates, Nova Corps being the policemen coming after them. And it, it was a cool little, like, story. Like, at one point when Groot gets shot and then says, I am Groot, and then Rocket goes... Oh, I'm so glad you're okay. I was just already thinking of the weapons I'd turn in with your body and stuff, and, <laughs> and just uh, and when when Havoc is the little word bubble when they're introducing people, it's like you know, Alex Summers Havoc. He's still trying to make that name work somehow. Um, it was humorous, but then it ends with uh, after the short story of to be continued in Star Jammers um, uh, coming out. Or this preview uh, will be continued in Star Jammers number one coming out June 1992. And that's where I was like, what? And that's where I realized, oh, obviously knowing that the Hyperion story was him being younger, yep. I then realized why they put this out as an additional, you know, not the main story of this Heroes Reborn, but as an additional story of. Oh, here's some other things that we can do with side characters. So is this is this tying into pre-existing comics? You're saying like from 1992, or is this a new storyline where they're playing? As yeah, if playing comic would have been released in with 92. this group going into because there's Star Jammers okay. books. Yep. Um, but I want to say they came out before 1992, and even I don't even know if they had a full series to tell you the truth. But that's where I started realizing, yes, it's playing with that idea of. There's more comics in this Marvel world, and you're trapped in it reading all these alternate dimensions. And I and I thought that was very interesting. I now kind of want to read some of these secondary stories because normally when an event like this happens that I'm not super thrilled about, I'll read kind of the main five issues, and that's all I need to know of what happens because mm -hmm. most things resets at the end. And I even said that uh, when I reviewed the the first book the other week. It got me even a little more intrigued kind of of some of the stuff, but wasn't hooked. This now actually hooked me enough to be like, all right, I'm liking what they're doing. I like that they're playing with this is the, the world. This is the Marvel world. So you as readers accept that. And this is like a lost issue that we've now found. So yeah, so um, both these books, um, stories in there, were pretty much full books i mean this was i think like 40 pages of comic books so a bigger issue and uh very good the um star jammer book written by ryan caddy and art by stephen byron 
in the first uh, story with the squadron subpoena, well, Imperial Guard and Hyperion was done by, if I can get to the front cover of this digital comic book that is loading. <laughs> the beauties of internet. Uh, and that one's done by, oh, yeah, and written by Ryan Caddy as well. Um, and pencils by Michelle Bandini. So, yeah, so that was, uh, like I said, something that I didn't think I was going to talk about more than two minutes of, like, eh. And then I really liked it. But this other book that I read, holy shit, I could talk about for ages. And I'm going to try to be as brief as possible because, <laughs> you know, we've, we don't want to go a three-hour episode this time. But it is Silver City Number 1. Now, just that name in itself kind of sounds cool. Um, the front cover had kind of like this, I don't know, archangel-looking type thing with a group of, I don't know, uh, punkish type people. And then it starts with the airport, and I was kind of like, all right, there's some singing in the background. But then within the second page, this plane is coming on in and just fucking obliterates this airport, and all these people die. And I'm like, okay, I have no clue what this book is about, but that was fucking nuts. And that's the first hook. And there's like three times where I've gotten hooked even more within this story. But then right after that, um, this main girl, Rue, wakes up. And there's people coming in that are in like these weird like old school lab coats that are shining lights in people's eyes. And saying they gotta quit doing eye check. And then explaining that She's dead. Okay. And this is the afterlife. Now, at first, I was a little disappointed that so she was... So it's like a wake-up thing, right? Well, they explained it later, which I was so happy they did, because it was going to be one of those nagging things that I wanted to know, yep. what's the eye check mean? But ultimately, she uh, comes down there with uh, this girl that she saw um, her mom scream for um, that was you know, lost. And so I don't know where the mom went, and that's where... I'm a little confused, too, with what's going on with the story still. And this is already just within the third page. And so she's a little... She's not as shocked as I'd figure someone would be finding out you're dead. But I'm kind of glad they didn't go that trope of spending a whole issue of dealing with the, oh, shit, I'm dead. She just kind of accepts it and is walking around this city that's very gothic in um, its, like... Uh, skyscraper like looking okay. like yep. felt like if you were looking at uh batman the animated series at a scene of like the Lots city of gargoyles and like arches yes and arches and edges. stuff yeah, yeah and and she does see someone that she knew in the in the previous life but she's like her memories are not all coming back and she gets explained by a random person that says hey you can come live with us and she's like do you guys just pick up women that just recently become dead all the time and and they explain about how, well, you can help pay for rent and stuff. And I'm just thinking, what is this after? Like, what? They pay for where they have to live? Like, what's going on? And he, this guy briefly explains some things, but not everything. Whereas the light, that's, uh, that's to make sure that you're not a veggie. Because certain people that are in vegetative states come down. Oh, okay. And they have to be put in the returns to yep. go back up. 
where people that are dead, they have white or just black straight eyes, so they got to do the eye check to make sure that you're truly dead. Um, the person also goes on about um, about how you're, you got a real body here, but it's not like a real body. Like you're never going to age. You're never going to, it's never going to change. It does this, but it doesn't heal. So don't go like damaging it because you only got one body down here and you live forever. And I'm like, okay, this is already setting up to be an interesting afterlife, but I really want to know, you know, what's, what's going on. And then it comes to this tale that she sees of a mural in this flat that she's at with these guys of this uh, knight, the Silver Knight. And one of the guys goes into this backstory about how there's these, and this then gets into the other hook of, besides me wanting to find out more about this afterlife, uh, this conspiracy theory of in the, let's say the real world here, there was a time when um, life and death, like, just merged okay people used to be able to contact loved ones and bring them back and hang out with them if they wanted to and there was a group of is that like permanent like they just come decide to i come think back they'd for still be dead or? but like it didn't get too much into it it just okay. explained that and had like a yep. small page of it and there's this group called the timekeepers secret society that is behind everything in the world who wanted to control uh pretty much everything and you can control people through fear and what's the greatest fear death well when death doesn't mean anything they can't control you so they put up barriers and so there's the real world and then there's eight levels of death and they didn't get much more into that but that made me also be like i wanted to know more and that and all besides uh some things that happened towards the end really was like there's so much mystery going on here you know at first when they were introducing this silver knight i was like okay you know here's some savior guys going and maybe he's just a myth maybe he's not but i want to know more about these timekeepers even though it's a silly name that they've put up magical barriers that people don't even know about for death and everything and we've as a human conscious have not remembered that we could contact our dead or maybe the timekeepers made sure that we didn't know of the time before. There's some more mystery to this Silver City. And yeah, it was a book that randomly I just was like, eh, I'll choose, you know, my own adventure kind of pick something random. And this was so good. So uh, how many pages was it? Uh, this one was uh, about 30 pages. Okay, Com- so decent Most comic books are kind of coming into about 30 pages. They used to be about 22 pages yep. normally. Because it seems like there's a lot of content, so I would, I would expect a little more. But uh, is, you said this is one, so is there a two? Is, this is, yeah, issue one. Just came out this week. So this week. Okay. it's from Aftershock Comics, which, again, is, is a uh, not as big of a comic book uh, publisher, but I've been reading quite a few from them in the last year or so. So I've been liking what they've been putting out. Um, this was written by Olivia Q- oh, man. Quartero Briggs. Sorry for mispronouncing your name, but that's <laughs> what happens on this uh, show. And uh, art and colors by, uh, how is it, Luca Merli, L-U-C-A, Luca, Lucia. So uh, definitely check this one out. Uh, should be on everyone's radar because it was just so fucking compelling throughout the whole thing. So I loved it. Well, hey, that's the rules. I mean, if you're going to do a number one, right? 
You've got to, you got to hook you in a, in a number one. This is like your one chance, it, especially in like a comic world, right? Because, I mean, in the media world, you've got people will put up with like two or three episodes. One because it's somebody else is basically reading the words to you, right? You know, and it's like <laughs> it's just beaming the content straight into your eyes. Um, plus, typically, you know, you can binge, so you can watch like three all at once. But like with this, you know, serialized nature. Hey, if it's good. Yeah, and it doesn't take much to hook me, but things with the afterlife and all that too, I feel it's so tropey sometimes, and this just felt kind of fresh of what's well, going on. I think for me, with those kinds of books, it's definitely about the magic system, right? And even if it's not like quote-unquote magic, whatever like alternate reality system they have... Um, you know that that's where for me that's where people can really get me because they demonstrate something clever right the dialogue can be kind of weak maybe the art's a little bit weak but if like the system of how this universe works is not necessarily the way we operate or like assist you know the standard magics that we've seen time and time again the merlin magic or stuff like that right then that gets me hooked and that's actually a, a cool segue into mine so what I reviewed this week, so it's Destiny NY, it's New York, um, Volume 1, I believe... Wait, is it Desti, and then NY is like no, bigger, it's just, it's just Destiny Destiny, comma, okay. New York, yeah, NY. Um, I believe there's six of them out now, um, I believe as far as they've gotten, I'm not for sure on that, but um, this is from, who is it from, uh... I looked it up right here. Black Mask. So um, I just kind of picked a random thing. Again, similar to what you're doing. Just like, you know, pull a uh, card out of the hat and hope I get lucky. Um, it's written by Pat Shand. Arts by Emmanuel uh, Praetano. Uh, lettering by Jim Campbell. And it's edited by Shannon Lee. Uh, an inter Again, unique kind of magic system or take. So we all know about the protagonist in lots of uh media you know we make fun of like an anime or cartoons or stuff right they have the bright pink hair or bright blue hair mm -hmm. when everyone else has like normal browns and blonde hair it's like oh my gosh they're so unique they must be special and so this comic takes the same idea in that there are many people who are have prophecies foretold about them that they're going to do some great thing to save humanity. So it's not that there's a single apocalyptic event. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of apocalyptic events coming up to humanity. And there are individuals who are destined to defeat that. So just in this one uh, volume, so it's about 50 pages, I think is what it was. Um, just in this one comic or one issue, uh, I think they, they showed like four or five different world-ending events one was like a harry potter ripoff where they had a guy with a question mark scar on his forehead and glasses and a magic wand right and he's talking about a dark lord he's got a defeat there's another one who's talking about um she's got to defeat like the greatest evil on this plane and uh the biggest thing about it is actually that it's become so commonplace that they've established a uh high school or it's really a, a full school it's like a k-12 school for 
children who are prophesized to fulfill some great thing to like give them training while also school right so they're still doing math they're still doing science lit english that kind of stuff but at the same time uh they're also potentially being given additional training to help prepare them for whatever so it's not you know it might be physics it might be magic you know there's and there's all different kinds of magic right there's the wand magic but that's not all the magic um the the main character you know so we're that's kind of our atmosphere we're set in the main character um is the name her name's logan uh and she actually uh had her prophecy foretold when she was a kid and actually fulfilled her prophecy at 13 well the book takes place well after that um she's in uh her adult years now like she's a young adult and uh it's all it's kind of like uh or sorry her late 20s so she's well into adulthood they actually have a graduate program at this high school so it's the idea that a graduate program is kind of a it's almost like a ptsd veterans thing right so one of the big things about veterans is when they come back from war is integrating into normal <coughs> society right because we don't follow the rules you know our daily social lives aren't according to the rules of military and so adjusting that it's a kind of a similar mindset where she's grown up her whole life being told she's special and she's going to save the world and then she saves the world at 13 and then everyone forgets about her because now it's about all the other prophesized children and how they're going to save the world <clears throat> so again clever kind of take on the whole prophecy i like the satire of it the whole book is very sarcastic um about the nature of prophecies and where like she had she's still going to this school and this graduate program and trying to incorporate into society when she's you know what are her practical skill set right because she was supposed to be a prophesied child and it turns out that's not doesn't pay the bills and so she's working at a coffee shop she's a barista um it is a little bit adult so you know this isn't a kid's book for sure uh they have um not vulgar but a couple sex scenes in it um demonstrating you know it's basically she's very much a normal girl but they spend a lot of time in kind of her mind's eye right like she's talking to herself and so you get to see a lot of her thoughts she's very self-conscious she's like struggling with identity issues and i think it's like a pretty good book for like the time right i mean as a society a lot of people are struggling with identity identity is a huge thing in just our culture in general you know people being like what well, i do you know sexual identity they deal with that a little bit in here um they've got uh you know she ends up getting engaged to another girl that went to her high school who was also i think um prophesied at some point but they end up breaking up and you know she's got anxiety and issues just like that so it's a very real world approach to uh you were told you're special which as a millennial i'm like wow this really like rings true to me i was told i could do whatever i want and that i was a special you know as a whole generation we were told we were special children so um i think it definitely is written to that kind of uh like subgroup of our society of kids who were told that they were special and they grow up and then they get to the real adult world and they're like well wait a minute i was supposed to be special it's like surprise you're sitting in the same desk as everyone else in here and you're not <laughs> special um you did something special you know as a kid right maybe you won a tournament in high school and you're like 
you know, think of all the football coaches, right? The stereotypical football coach that's mean to his students because he just wants to relive the glory days of uh, the 1985 uh, Kent County champ football championship <laughs> and uh, when it was the last great moment of his life. So it's kind of that kind of approach. Really cool. Um, the first, the main crux of the first book is that uh, our Logan, the main character, she is good friends with another uh, character who has just found out the details of her. So this is the one who was told, you're going to need to uh, kill the greatest threat on this plane. Like, that was what the prophecy was for her. I mean, her. this sounds cooler than you got to just murder someone. Like, at least it's a yeah. threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it basically is that. It's like, you need to kill this person, and you need to prepare yourself. And so there's, like, seers. So many different people in society are seers, and it's kind of like a position that just kind of happens to them, right? You know, they're just spawned. And a seer gets associated with the person they've prophesied, so they end up usually, you know, they meet, right? Because the seer's like, I have to tell you your prophecy and all this stuff. But one of the characters who is good friends with the main protagonist, well, the protagonist ends up, uh, there's like this really tough, like kind of biker chick, um, I don't know that she actually rides a bike, but that's like the appearance that they give <laughs> is, you know, she's got like the half shaved hair and it's kind of pulled down to the side. Um, they end up sleeping together. And so now the main character's like got a kind of a big crush on her and is like, oh my gosh, I have like actual feelings for this person. She's really cool. Talks about how she smells of like sugar and fire. And she ends up wearing an extra t-shirt from her when she kind of does not necessarily the walk of shame. She was walked out, but you know, the, the day after she has to go back to school and do like a presentation or whatever. But on the way, you find out that her friend, who's supposed to kill the greatest threat, well, the seer actually sees a vision of the greatest threat and draws it, and it's the girl she just slept with. So there's a little like drama, you know, with the events. And she doesn't know, the main character doesn't know yet, but you as the reader find out that, oh snap, this is the person, and now she's got all these feelings developing, and you know she's gonna have to have those two worlds clash because she's her like super crush that she's got is now apparently the greatest evil on this mm -hmm. plane right and every it's it is kind of again satirical because that's a hilarious way to just say go murder this person <laughs> who's gonna murder other people right but everyone has that there's dark lords there's interstellar threats there's extra planar threats you know those kinds of things they present and it's just like blase it's like oh, you know, and what the one character, the Harry Potter ripoff, he basically said, you know, he was like bragging. He's like, oh, yeah, and then I hit him with a spell because he thought it was going to kill me. And the person was like, well, did he die? And he's like, nah, he got up and got away, but I don't want to kill him yet. You know, because <laughs> basically saying if he kills him now, then he too will have no purpose, right? And so yet, it's very self-aware the fact that if he just go ahead and kills the Dark Lord right now, then there's going to be no reason for him and he's just going to be a normal guy again. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Well, so, I mean, we could explore the topic of destiny for a long time, but briefly, would you like to know, like, where, what your life's oh, going to be? Oh, Yeah. Man, that's a tough, I mean. That's what I'm okay, saying. We could talk the, about the it forever. Kid, so. The kid, I would say, that my answer's pretty straightforward. The kid part of me, yes, right? It's the same part of me who wants right doesn't want to wait for the episode the next week right dragon ball z they power it up and it's like maybe next week they'll fight frieza maybe next week you know it's like i just want it now right so yet that part of me says 
yes, I would want to know what my destiny is. But the other part of me, the adult part, is like, you don't want that information, right? That mature part, because it's like, either it's not going to be as exciting as you wish it is, and so it just ruins the journey, and you're like, I'm just going to take myself out now, right? Or it's going to be like, you know, very exciting, and then everything leading up to it is lackluster, right? Because it's like, it's not that one moment. And so just the idea of a singular moment being your great destiny and then every other moment before and after that being like lacking in comparison that would be a struggle but like is everything got to be though that big heroic like couldn't it be like you're gonna be homeless and your balls got ripped off in a boating accident like I don't want to. I don't want to be prepared. I take myself out early, right? You know, it's like, well, I don't want to be in that situation. Right? I would say if if my destiny could be told to me in a way that's motivational. But yeah, but as I say, but also, what if it's like uh, one of those uh, where you prevent prevent it, and everything that you're doing prevents it, makes it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? If if it, if we're talking like the rules where you can't change it, I think I would really actually, I would only want to know if they could say oh, yeah, you're going to do great things with this cause. Yeah, and if I'd it's going like, to be good, then, yeah, I'm cool with knowing it. Yeah, But if it's going to be bad, I'd rather just, like, yes. And I, <laughs> the key, too, is I would not want the end, right? I don't want, like, that pinnacle moment, whether it's, like, the climax and then the rest of my life is this denouement of my, the story where it's just kind of like, and then he faded into obscurity, right? So let's take, I think, Ocarina of Time. Classic example, right? He's got this one moment, he defeats Ganondorf, and then everyone forgets about him, right? He disappears into the forest, and everyone's like, oh yeah, there was like a hero or something, he had like a funny green hat, but, and he just goes off in the forest, and he's like this kind of like hippie loser who lives out in the forest with a kid with a skull for a mask, and you're just like, okay, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'll just be the forest guy. <laughs> I'd rather just be like, oh, I'm in the adventure, and then just face that impending obscurity that I'm about to get like in the forest later on. That's a tough one though because that's like what you want to know, right? Mm -hmm. Is your destiny and like what will I make of myself? And potentially to try to change it too, right? But we've seen plenty of movies where you're like, I'm going to change it and then you, you the, as a viewer you watch that guy and you're like, you stupid fool. You're making it happen, right? <laughs> oh, well... The fate of some old cartoon shows that I like ended too soon, but they're coming back in movie form. That's that's the the, the thing, right? I mean, we've had that with uh, Demon Slayer. That's the thing. It's just like ah, kill it in some form. Send yeah, it to the that, I mean, but yeah, but I mean, they're still gonna make a, another season. But what I'm going back to is some Adult Swim shows. I don't know if you ever watched any of these, but uh, Aqua Teen Hunter Force, Venture Bros. I'm sure you probably yep. at least checked out. Uh, but Metalocalypse. I love Metalocalypse. Okay. I fucking loved it. The and music's also great, right? It's not just a great show. If you really... Like, I don't really good. like the brutal heavy metal, but listening to the lyrics for the songs, like, that they yeah. went through making a full fucking album with songs, and the lyrics are just fucking hilarious. So, uh, yeah, Adult Swim is making those each of those shows uh, a full-length movie. It's in development right now, which would be great because... From everything that I've heard, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, that kind of went away and came back a couple times. When Venture Bros got unceremoniously canceled um, after the last season, uh, that sucked. But then there was word of possibly it being revived uh, on HBO Max. Metalocalypse, on the other hand, 
when that ended, they had a full another season they wanted to get to, but it just didn't. So they had the Requiem, um, I think it was just called Requiem or Requiem of whatever, Metalocalypse, that kind of tied up some things, didn't explain everything in the Metalocalypse world, which was just so unique and awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, they had like, you know, they were murdering people thousands of people every episode at their concerts and stuff but unknowingly yeah yeah yeah. the submarines you got people exploding from like the pressure changes and they're out in the middle of like antarctica and like the stage the ice is falling apart from their metal and it's like sharks starting and that's again it gets absurd too right so that'd be i think it'd be ah, 90 minutes of metalocalypse though that that seems heavy like 30 like the 30 minute episodes that we had before I was like, wow, what a ride. You know, you have a little bit of comedy. You have the the cocaine clown and all that stuff. But 90 minutes, potentially, or more of Metalocalypse. Oh, Doomstar, Rec- Doomstar Requiem came out in 2013. That's what the last of the So was that a song or was that an episode? No, it was it was just a, a half-hour special. Okay. So, it's kind of a wrap-up thing. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm quite excited about that. There's uh, more info specifically on what each one's going to be about, and having read up on them, I'm excited. But once they start getting more uh, closer to release, I'm sure we will review those again. Cool. Um, something that's up your alley is manga, and not safe for work. So... Uh, right now on Amazon sales charts, there's a not safe for work uh, manga. Pretty much an adult uh, book is leading the charts. Really? In their, in their yeah romance. Is this like just overall like worldwide sales or? Yes. Okay. Um, so it, the the series is called Dick Fight Island. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm interested just from the name, right? Yeah, it's I don't intriguing. know. What get, it's about, it or anything more than that, but just reading the title, I go, I want to mention that because yeah, yeah. it intrigues me enough to be like, make sure to put it incognito mode before you search it. Yeah. Uh, Have you uh, seen the trailer for Snake Eyes? Yes. So this looks less like a GI Joe movie and more like an awesome fucking action kung yeah. fu sword movie. And I can't wait. And I didn't know that that was... Like, I... There's so much nerdy things going on. But I've lost track of what's going on in cinema because of this last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this is coming out in July. Like, it's like two months away. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm quite hyped. Well, and that's the thing, too, right? Is that we're, like, backlogged on content because of 2020. And it's not that content was being made in 2020 and not released. But there was, like, you know, there's a flow. Right where stories enter into the production uh, space, and then they kind of you know they get made, they get released. There was a flow. We you know the best example being Marvel. Right, you had a regular pacing of Marvel movies, which is why when you know Endgame and uh, Infinity War came out, they captured so much attention because people were constantly kept uh, a continuous feeding of new movies, and so it's like you know a Marvel movie would come out and it would dethrone the previous Marvel movie that just left the, the <laughs> yeah. cinemas like t- two months before. So I think we're seeing like a ton of... I mean, like this year, what? We had Mortal Kombat already. We have, we're we going to have this. We've got Kong versus Godzilla. 
I mean, we've got like the tons of blockbuster movies, and we haven't even hit summer yet, which is blockbuster time. So, which is kind of nuts. But and this is coming out this year. What, what is it? July twenty third. Um, yeah, it just. I would agree. It looks just like a crazy action movie. It's supposed to be like an origin story, right? Because I think they call it origins or whatever. Yeah. Um, Jaja origins, but it's kind of like. That's cool. You get a little bit of the the mask off. I mean, we know Snake Eyes is the silent, just assassin of the GI Joes, but that I'm excited for it. I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like blind action movies, right? I like John Wick. There's you could put the plot on a single page <laughs> for John Wick. Man kills dog. Uh, owner of dog kills lots of other men. End of movie, yeah. right? <laughs> okay, all right. Let's just throw a bunch of action scenes in there. <laughs> so. Um, and G.I. Joe is such a classic, right? I mean, we've... Four generations have seen G.I. Joe's. Yeah, and the, and, and they had those live-action movies, which weren't terrible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that being the franchise to explore a little bit more. Yep. Um, let's see, there's other news. This is a little fun one. So we've got some gaming news. Uh, first is Mario Golf. Usually I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, Mario Golf, another one, right? Um, but I did see a little bit. I don't know the exact date when it's coming out. Um, but there is a new uh, mode called, or it's called a Super Rush. Uh, comes out oh, here, the 25th of June. And it's called Super Rush because they have a mode called Super Rush where literally everybody tees off at the same exact moment and you're literally your character is sprinting on the golf course. So you're like controlling your character running on the golf course to get to the hole as fast as possible. It's not about strokes. It's about like who can just get it to the hole that as fast as possible. Fun. So you're like actually running and so like when you get to the sprint speed, Yoshi poops out a big egg and he's like rolling on top of the <laughs> egg and you know Mario's got like the classic like Mario run and Bowser, you know all these characters. So Again, it's a Mario Golf game, but I Mario games are like the consistency, right? You know, you have all the crypto coins in the world, but gold is just kind of consistently sitting there. It's like, okay, everybody always believes in gold. Mario is that, right? A new Mario games out comes out, makes you feel good. No one complains about it. You know, sometimes they rave about it. Like Odyssey was amazing, but you know, Mario Golf. Yeah, I haven't played a Mario Golf in a while since, I want to say, when it came out on 3DS. God, I feel like it's almost 10 years, but... Maybe but you got the classics, right? You've got kart, tennis, golf. Those are, like, the big ones that aren't, like, a traditional Mario Yeah, game. and they could just... And it's one of those things where I hate when, like, the Madden games, like, it's the same game as last year with just an updated roster and stuff. But with, with the Mario X games... Mm-hmm. They always, they're unique enough, but they're also familiar enough. Like, it is the same play, but sometimes an added bonus of crazy, wacky power-ups and stuff, yep. which makes it fun and entertaining. And Nintendo is so, uh, I mean, it doesn't always work out, but Nintendo is so experimental with their consoles, too, that the games themselves can, you know, change up. So, like, the Wii, right? The motion control and doing golf, like, you know, Wii Sports and then Mario Golf and tennis and stuff. And you got people, you know, that first moment that you and your parents or what your <laughs> siblings or whatever, you're just, like, swinging your hands in the air uh, with tennis rackets and stuff. So but it's always a good, fun time. You know, I, probably a group game, right? I'm not going to be sitting at home and, like, throwing down Mario Golf for, like, six hours on a Saturday afternoon by myself. That's probably not what's going to happen. But, 
you know, I got some people over. COVID is hopefully settling down. More vaccines. They actually have people over to play games again. Um, other than that, really the only other big one is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It actually came out, I think, last week. Uh, I think it was like Thursday or Friday last week. Um, if you've ever played it, it's, you know, Mass Effect is one of Bioware. So they did Knights of the Old Republic. Um, was their big one. They ended up coming out with Mass Effect. They did The Old Republic online MMO. Um, it was kind of like one of the kings of story RPG, right? Of the modern gaming world where your choices impact <clears throat> the story of the world you're in. Um, Mass Effect 2, well known for the fact that your character, your teammates, you basically have like this final push into the enemy stronghold at the end of the game and they give you the warning, once you get past this point, you don't get, you don't get to come back. Right, you either get to do a new game after this, or you have to reload a previous save. But it's the idea that if you if you don't successfully complete all of the like missions for your uh, team members, they will die when you put them into one of the challenges at the end. So you have things like there's a hacking challenge. So if you put your tech people on it, then they're they'll successfully do it. And if you put someone who's not appropriate right you put a tech person on a non-tech thing like a military thing they'll end up dying you'll get through you always get mm -hmm. through to the end and you actually have to have enough people uh allies in your team to actually get through to the end to beat the game but you know again if you're not taking the time to do the story and enjoy the content then you'll end up you still get to beat the game but half your team dies and you know it could be the one that you just made love with right before that scene <laughs> right you know this last moment of like we're going to our death you know, let's make love one last time. And then they're like, ah, they get shot or they get, you know, knocked off of a platform and they fall to their death or whatever. So the kind of the, I mean, progenitor of modern, like, RPGs and that's really story. They also done Dragon Age games, if you're into those. Um, you know, this is kind of like a remaking. Modern graphics, they fixed a couple things. They fixed a bunch of bugs. Played on PS5, you know, Ultra HD, 4K, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if anybody's into those re-release, you can relive the glory moments, which kind of seems like gaming's doing right now. In just general, they're just like releasing a bunch of stuff that remasters. Um, you they know, know they can get more money. Yeah. Now, I find it kind. Of, I'm like, okay, I'm probably not going to buy a bunch of these. Now, if there's a thing like the remake, right? Remaster versus remake. Remaster, modern graphics, exact same game. Um, maybe fix a little bit of control scheme. Remake, something like Final Fantasy VII Remake that came out, I think it was last year. Yeah, last yeah. year. Um, that's a remake. It's like a different game. Even some of the story isn't the same as the original, right? They didn't just remaster it. So I'm... I like it when they can do stuff like that. You know, it's basically a whole new game with, like, familiar characters. It's pretty cool. You know, if I get a modern Aladdin game, you know, back in the day, you played that Aladdin <laughs> yeah. platformer. If I get a modern Aladdin platformer, I'd be like, all right. So, you know, I don't want just another yeah. virtual console version of it. But well, I know you play Pokemon. Yes. Uh, you know, it's the 25th anniversary. Yep. And there's lots of celebrations going around. So did you see the new Katy Perry music video? No, I did not. So, didn't it randomly showed up uh, on like through Facebook or some social media of a new Katy Perry, but it it music video which I'm like, all right, I enjoy her music, but it had Pikachu in like the thumbnail, and I'm like, that's a random like thumbnail to have for a Katy Perry song until I started watching it, and it's called Electric, and I go, 
oh, maybe that's why it's just like, throw it in there. No, Pikachu is throughout the whole thing, which I'm like, I get it, electric, but then I found out that this was part of the whole 25th anniversary things that, you know, celebrating Pokemon, and so obviously it was co-produced and made with Nintendo. It wasn't her just like, I'm going to make a song called Electric, and let's get that favorite <laughs> Pikachu in my music video. I heard the kids like <laughs> Pikachu. Put yeah. them in a the music video. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the song, I was like, eh, it was cute with Pikachu in it and all, but... I thought I felt a little forced, but then, like I said, when I found out why it was, I go, "All right." I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I've heard the the theme song of Pokemon. That's a little forced too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one of those classic rough '90s themes. Have you ever been able to do the rap of all the 151 yeah. Pokemon? No, no. <laughs> Maybe as a kid, I would have listened to it enough, but um, they also don't even go in order. They're just like, yeah, they're just randomly picked <laughs> as far as syllables, so. Um, no, that would be tough. <laughs> um, let's see, nerd news. This is big for us. We both play D&D. Um, this could be really cool. You've got a Oculus Quest. Um, I've got an Oculus Rift. I'll probably end up getting a Quest. Um, maybe the three, or I might just get a two at this rate. But, um, there's a Kickstarter. Uh, they had a $12,131 goal. They're currently at $174,000. Just shy of $174,000. Uh, it is a... It's called Dungeon Full Dive, and it's the idea that you and your other uh, D&D players can play in a virtual reality D&D setup. So it's things like, you know, you've got the woods around you, and it's, it's not that you are... Not, necessarily on the table like swinging at orcs and stuff you're still playing D&D the tabletop style but you know the the piece in the real world that would take it to the next level right is when you skip from the pen and paper and you go to like miniatures and 3D printed walls and environments and stuff that's what this is for right you no longer need to 3D print you can just go straight into the virtual realm, which I feel is unfortunate because 3D printing is like kind of increased in adoption. Yeah. And then we're just like, screw that, go virtual, right? You can just do a virtual <laughs> reality. Um, but that's the idea is that you're a virtual player in the game. You have a tabletop in front of you, and your DM or whoever can set up to be the environment you're playing in. So you could roll your dice there. You know, you're moving your minifig, so the character that everyone sees looks like the minifig down there. It's just, you know, obviously a human-sized version of it. You're walking around the table, you're looking around, you're interacting, right? So you could just sit at your desk and play D&D with your friends. I mean, you could do, like, a classic LAN party. Everybody brings an Oculus Quest, right? Yeah. And you still play it in the same <laughs> room, but, you know, you can do that kind of stuff. Or then, obviously, play over the Internet as well. Um, they've unlocked a ton, I mean... You gotta imagine if they were only asking for like, it's weird. It's twelve thousand one hundred thirty-one dollars. I think it's because they were asking for an even number in a different current currency, and so it translated to U.S. dollars. Weird, but they're like uh, thirteen times their goal. Um, so they have. I mean, their stretch goals included like they're going to be hiring on three or four more devs to actually augment their team. It's just two guys right now. Um, they're, they've actually got a custom 3D model import, so you can use um, 3D modeling uh, to create your own creatures or to create your own. So, which is, you know, for me, that's not my art, so I'm not going to be doing that. But this means that I could potentially go to Reddit 
and find <laughs> other people's, right? You yeah. know, there's likely, if this really does hit off and it's successful and it's not full of bugs and broken and stuff, then I could see this being a critical tool for, you know, the over the air. I mean, that 2020, we were playing D&D virtual for many, many months. And yeah. so people have just learned that, hey, D&D over the internet's not that bad. And if we can get rid of the stupid, you know, our biggest complaint was Discord, right? We're playing in Discord. One person can talk at a time. Well, in this, you don't have that because you have spatial specific. So if you, I could literally lean to your character, my voice would be louder because I'm closer to your actual character, right? See, now I'm just now just envisioning beyond this of a full-on tavern where you're sitting at. Um... Well, and that's the thing. They've got environments. So they said, like, uh, day, they unlock day-night cycles, weather and special effects. You can be, like, in a forest. You can be in a tavern. You can have sounds, like the sounds of, you know, tavern goers. Maybe there's a bar fight in the background or something like that. Um, they even have things like spell effects. So if you cast Fireball, they've unlocked that. They um, That's the one thing. Sorry, that's locked. They're only twenty less than 20K away. It's 150 um, thousand uh, euros. I don't think this is euros. It looks like euros, but um, you know that's the idea. Is if they get that, then they're actually going to do spell animations. So that'd be cool. Good luck. <laughs> the spell section of the player's <laughs> handbook is like a quarter of that book. So yeah, there's a lot of animations to do. But that would be really cool if you actually cast fireball. You pick where it is. Right. No longer does the DM need to break out the erasable marker and. Uh, draw the circle of like this is treacherous terrain right you know <laughs> now we can actually see the treacherous terrain on there so and I mean I only see us doing more in virtual reality uh, augmented reality is picking up really fast and we're seeing a lot of cool stuff where I even saw um, there's a app you can get on the Oculus Quest um, where it tracks your hand mo motion and so you can have a virtual keyboard that lines up with your real life desk keyboard and so you can feel your keyboard your hands are in the right spot in your vision now you have a digital desk right yeah and i've i've heard of that but i just i don't know if that's where i want to go escape reality is my work desk <laughs> well the biggest thing for me and i don't know necessarily for about work but you know you the one of the cool things is you know in the real world decorating your office can be expensive to do it like you want in the digital world it's free you know, you can ha you can be have a desk that's overlooking like the mountainscape, or it's along a river, or on the sea, or something like that. But the, the fact is the tactile nature, right? And so we're seeing more and more capability to scan your environment, and so you have the real world thing, the actual keyboard I'm typing on, not some like fake one where your fingers are going through it, right? You're yeah. feeling it. But then, no longer need you to drop fourteen hundred dollars on a four K. 30 inch TV, you can get a 70 inch TV and then another 70 inch TV right next to it, right? You can just throw them up on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I'm still waiting for augmented reality. I think that'll be the cool one where I'm actually throwing a TV up on my real wall, right? And I just, you know, Google glasses, but not like look like a fool and a nerd, mm -hmm. right? Actually, like a cool helmet or however they work. But um, yeah, I mean, this is if you're a DD player which I'm sure plenty of people are, especially this days. It's doing better than it ever has before. Um, yeah, feel free to invest. It's still open for a little bit, I believe. So, 
So, uh, something that I actually had the discussion with my brother about earlier today, getting back into Magic, the Gathering. Oh. <laughs> and... Good and, luck finding cards. Well, so he, here's another thing, too, because it's also an investment opportunity, kind of, as well as <laughs> my love for books. Are so, you multi-level marketing me? You're like, I have an investment opportunity for you. No, he conned me into <laughs> spending, like... Oh. 200 300 bucks with you're at him. the bottom of the pyramid now yes. he's one rank higher Got yes because he he bought a commander deck recently okay. he's going on and on about commander i've known about it but i haven't truly played magic in years and we got in on it when it first kind of started i have some pretty probably expensive cards but again with my comics and everything i never really look into selling them but then again, I may want to be, to fund some of my new hobbies. And with us having bought some on the ground level, there's cards that he's been looking at that like go for a lot. So what is coming out this summer, Wizards of the Coast announced the new um, core set and everything is going to be the Forgotten Realms. Oh. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which for most people, if you don't know what Forgotten Realms is. It was a book series that was pretty much the land of D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't original D&D, &D, but people that played D&D &D became fantasy writers and took their adventures and then created this world that pretty much is the core basis for D&D &D as we know it now. Because Wizards of the Coast bought out... Mm -hmm. um, I forget what the old publisher well, it's was. Well, right? it's their main module now, too. So if you look at any of their, like, official Wizards of the Coast adventures guides, yeah. you have, like, the Sword Coast and a lot of stuff take place in those and, and it's the gods and everything before in D&D were generic, where Forgotten Realms had its own supplement of their gods, and now those gods are pretty much just the gods and of heroes, D &D you've anything. got weapons that are, like, this hero's sword that your player could get or stuff like that. And yeah. because of that, having read so many of those books... Does intrigue me enough of like seeing some of these heroes on cards and how hooked. they're going to be, <laughs> and also my brother saying like, yeah, and like some of these cards could be worth a lot too, and and I'm like, I want to just play regular old core rules that I know how to play because now you get forty points and you got your commander, and if they do this to you, you have planeswalkers. But as yeah. he was saying though, like there's so many different things. I remember there used to be only first strike, trample was new, flying, and like. Maybe you could, like, planeswalk, but not even planeswalk, like, mountain walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's planeswalking. Those were, like, it. But now there's second strike. There's uh, something resurrection. There's, like, all all these things that I was like, what is this? And my brother's just telling me about it. And I'm like, God, that makes it more intriguing. But also, like, you need to really be knowing what you're playing. It's definitely, that's I think you see that with a lot of, like, these trading card games is as they introduced more cards, right, like you said, they do the official set, you, they close out old cards and for tournament play and stuff like that, but they make the rules more complicated, so it gets harder to be the new guy in town, right? And so Wizards of the Coast is obviously banking on the old players and people who have consistently played, who the new rules, it's like, oh, it's just one more augment. Where if you're a new player, like I haven't played in a decade, you come back and you're like, there's like 40 new rules. Yeah. So your strat deck strategies are completely useless. You just have to basically reread all the stuff, which is just like, oh my God. There's a and knowing cards, right? The best players are mm -hmm. going to actually just know all the cards. I'd be the guy who's like, can I read that? Can I read that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 
we are buying a shit ton. And like I said, I am investing a lot of money because then we're going to get a, a booster pack that we might not even open. We may wait a year and then sell it because it'll be collector's edition. Well, or or maybe we open it and sell them as individuals. And that was the thing that my brother's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I'm always a person. I like opening anyways. Like, mm -hmm. fuck it. If it goes, if we could have gambled and got more for what's not in there, I just want to see some of these cards and, like, yeah. find some of the characters that I've read about as legendary creatures. The value for you is a nice extra. That's not the reason you're buying the cards. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I feel like that should be for everything. And... Mainly for my brother, too. I'm just surprised that his wife's letting him do this. <laughs> and so also because of that, when he came this this proposition to me the other day, I go, hey, it's something fun with my brother. It could be an investment. But again, I'll have fun with the, the yeah, nostalgia yeah. and everything, yep. too. But that's coming out just July and pre-orders are going on now. Well, I will say this is that uh, specifically Magic and Pokemon are two of the greatest investments you can make could have made right you know they talk about bitcoin and things like that and you know magic the difference magic and pokemon are fun as a thing but then they're also valuable and i will say for anyone who's wanting this for a money standpoint the highest profit margin you're going to make is on booster boxes so for anyone who doesn't know when you buy a booster pack typically it comes in like a cardboard container that has like 12 or 14 of them right yeah, uh, that's what it's shipped to your comic store or you know Meyer or wherever else you can get your cards. They're shipped in that, and then you just they have wrapped in plastic. You open it up and you can sell the individual booster packs. Well, over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, the uh, booster boxes have become very uh, profitable for people who are selling them to people like streamers because streamers and YouTubers and stuff like that are making tons of money off of just opening card packs, right? People like watching them open some, they're like, I've got a deck or an unopened, perfectly sealed, you know, booster box from 2002 of Magic the Gathering cards. We're going to open it, right? And it's like, I spent $300,000 on this, you know, booster box. Um, I do know that uh, some of the Pokemon card uh, decks, uh, if you actually go to the card shop or card section of pretty much any shop, they're empty, uh, completely right now. Uh, I actually was at Meyer the other day, and I happened to say, "Oh, it's a toy aisle. I'll walk down it and I'll see." And it's funny, plenty of baseball cards, nothing in Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon. It was just almost empty, completely. Booster packs, everything. So um, you buy one of those uh, MSRP. They're usually like 120 to 150 dollars. And I know that the last time I was at a comic store, like a nerd, a nerd shop, um, was I saw a booster box of a six-week-old set. So the set had been released six weeks previously, and $120 was $600 is how much the booster box was being going for. And I was like, I thought it said like two, like $199 or like $299. I was like okay, that's worth it. And I was like, I'll take that one. And it turns out that the ink had smudged on the price tag. And he's like, that's 600 bucks. And I was like, put it back. I don't want it. <laughs> I was like, but, never mind. But you're saying you want to invest now. Well, I don't know. You want to get in on this action? <laughs> I mean, I would have, it's one of those things, right? I hate how many articles you're seeing now. It's like, if you had invested $1,000 in Bitcoin in 1942, and it's like, of course, if I had, you know, gone back in time and invested tons of money and things yes 
of money appreciates over That's time. What do you know about it? Part of this is also led from his brother-in-law who who sold a $3,000 Charizard uh, the other month from an old pack that he had as a kid. Yeah. Like, So again, yeah, the, it's getting into a little bit more of like, but it's a better investment than most stocks. So it, it it's hey, it's appreciating like 30, 40% month over month on some of these things too. So that's the thing is if you can get, um, you know, kudos to uh, some of these comics owners because you know they're just pocketing like the comic or, you know, card sh- selling shops. If you own one of those, you know, they're like, okay, so I bought 40 boxes. I'm going to put 20 into my pocket and then just pay my company the money and I'm going to put 20 in the store and then I'm just going to sell these on eBay in about 12 weeks, right? When they double or triple in price. So, I mean, individual cards can go for a lot. Uh, time is definitely your ally though. So be prepared to potentially uh, go buy some cases, seal yeah. them up, get them. You know, if you're like, this could be valuable, send it to the rating agency, put it in a case and never take it out. And then when you're old and retired, you can give your kids a, like, I don't have a retirement account because I spent it all on po- Pokemon <laughs> and Magic cards, but I do have this Black Lotus. And they're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> Grandpa, that's worth like $6 million. Yeah. Oh, do you have any other news that you saw? Uh, nothing super exciting. I mean, there's a, I mean, I will say I am happy to see that a lot is going on. Um, there, one, if you're an anime fan, uh, one of the big uh, breakout shows this uh, season was Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, kind of like a... Uh, warlock mage kind of people using magic to fight uh, demons. Main character is actually possessed with a portion of the greatest demon to ever exist kind of thing. Or curses. They're not really demons. They're curses. But um, they're making a movie. They're doing this the movie style. Same with uh, Demon Slayer um, where they're doing season 2 is their movie. And then they're going to continue on with a, an official season 2 after that. So that's been announced, and I believe that's going to be coming out later this year. Um, and then uh, the other thing that we were going to talk about, Castlevania. Uh, if you, you have I, I just figured we were just going to talk about it next week when yeah. we finally finish it. Is we're, give everyone a heads up. It is the final season for yeah, this show. Yeah, that makes show. me sad. They, uh, they do have, and it's spoiler free, they do have a... Uh, Spin-off, I guess you call it. It's with none of the characters. It's just in the universe as this show. So they're going to be continuing kind of the adventures in the Castlevania universe. I don't know any details if it's another Belmont or if it's an original character or whatever. But um, I've watched about, I don't know, a third to a half of the episodes. And I'm yeah, I, so, so that's the thing. I could have easily watched it all over the weekend. But I realized I need to stop doing that. And I've been a lot better... At least getting halfway point and then being like, all right, nope, let's let's just wait. Because mm-hmm. I've been enjoying a lot of other shows that have been coming out weekly. And I just want to have that feeling of like, because once it's over, it's over. Yep. And I don't need a rush to that. I can slowly get to that point and, and enjoy it a lot longer. So uh, it makes me even sadder finding out this the last season. I think I might have known that. But yeah, that, that, that sucks. Uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up before getting into booze in the book is this is a huge thing. And I don't know why I saved it to last, just mainly because we had so much other talk mm-hmm. about that we wouldn't have gotten to it. So AT&T spent like $85 billion to purchase Time Warner Media. 
to have it all under one roof to make it one big conglomerate. Well, now there's a merger going on with Discovery Inc., which owns tons of other channels as well. I mean, Time Warner um, and AT&T right now own like Cartoon Network, TNT, TBS, CNN, all those. Where Discovery Inc., Food Network, Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, HGTV, all those, they're now going to be merging as one giant conglomerate entity to take over everything. They're, they're pretty much saying they want to compete with Netflix and Disney Plus with content. But then that means making separate entities for different things. And there's not a lot that has come out yet of what that means. But they know for sure that they're going to have uh, news and like certain things, their main focus, and then entertainment and some of these other things as separate. Meaning the, all the DC stuff that has been going to HBO Max and stuff could be in limbo. Uh, meaning that, I mean, DC Entertainment was created under them to create all their... Um, media presence and comic books kind of like how disney has marvel studios and then marvel which are separately two entities under disney and we all kind of look at that as actually being separate but as we know with warner media they always have their hands in the cookie jar with all their property yep. stuff what this will mean to dc is up in the air as well not only that but gaming studios that they've had a lot of these things licensed to and again, we're I'm looking at it mainly for comic book sake wise of DC, but there's a lot of stuff that on HBO that has been great entertainment in I would say the nerd pop culture world. That who knows what that could mean now with other shareholders coming in, and it's nuts. And also, do we need that big of a monopoly? Well, I mean, you know, historically, anytime you've done something, a move like that, you've ended up with poorer content, right? Yeah. Because you end up with, you know, direction. I think Disney is, Disney Marvel is probably one of the only examples of content improving after a purchase or merger of that size, right? But I think the difference being that Disney has historically, um, believed in its artists as far you know it's still a mega corporation and does mega corporation things but they've really put a large investment into their artist community um from the beginning you know you look at like pixar studios they put a lot, ton of money into those you know they see you know big wins obviously with them as well but i, I mean very often creativity tends to go to the wayside right you end up getting you know i think uh in the wake of Marvel, the MCU, you saw comics reemerge, particular things like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? You're seeing what would be typically seen as the, a non-super mainstream um, series or group of characters being brought to the limelight. So, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy gets like a renewal and you have not just not the original Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Which aren't in line with the movies, but the movies are now impacting the comics as far as like presentation. So yes, they're kind of like limiting the creativity in that standpoint, but um, I think that Disney kind of left Marvel to do their own thing as well, and I don't know that, I mean, Disco 
you know, all, when I think of Discovery too, all I think of is bad decisions, it's right? Alien. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it used History Channel Con used to be awesome, and, and now it's all about like reality TV shows and stuff. And you know, yes, the you know we could say the DC extended universe or the cinematic universe is has some struggles, but the animated DC movies are phenomenal, right? They they've been for years. I mean, even all the way back to the '90s. You had like Batman and Superman, the animated series. Those were great series. You had Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. You've got all the modern series now. And I'm even thinking of like CW. I mean, how many DC series are oh, on yeah. CW, right? You've got Flash, the whole Flashverse universe or whatever they call it, Arrowverse. Um, that's a lot of shows that could potentially, you know, if they're so not performing. A, and I, I wouldn't see that stuff necessarily going away. But definitely changes, or in the shareholders' eyes, what is profitable or what is mm-hmm. should be, and that's where it's just like, I don't think there should be just that much under one umbrella because even though they can be separate entities and run the same, we all know though there is a head entity that then oversees all of them. That, Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we talked about this previously, not on the podcast, but outside. But just the idea, right, you know, if we were to have a movie studio of our own, if I budgeted a movie that was $5 million and it made $6 million, I'd say, great success, guys, let's do a sequel, you know, (laughs) where, like, a studio like that, they're like, no, profit's not big enough because they're meeting shareholder demands and a one, you know, a a 20% profit ratio is not enough for them. They're like, we got to have more than that. And so it's like, well, goodness, I mean, yeah, how many of those shows right now are getting enough ratings but when they're influenced by so much like heavy wall street pressure for bigger jumps in stock prices you might end up getting a lot of that stuff cut so you know cross our fingers hopefully not there's a lot of media that those companies own and getting a bigger company does not give them you know it's not like dc was lacking in resources to get something made right i mean they're dropping tens of millions of dollars uh, and convincing publishers to publish their media. So uh, we'll see. But they don't have my <laughs> greatest of trust in these situations. Yeah. Um, booze in the book this week, uh, quick rounded out, is Geiger number two. Again, when I first read the first issue the other week, it kind of blew me away of how this post-fallout apocalyptic kind of world was and our main hero this just continued on with such a great story and so with this i'm pairing it with a nuclear reactor shot which was something interesting that i saw um that i thought would fit perfectly with this you know nuclear radiated superhero um which is it's in the trick is how you would actually present it so you make it with uh the ingredients is one ounce of melon liqueur two ounces of sweet and sour mix and one ounce of Everclear. Now you put that in a shot glass and then you put it inside a rock glass, like put the rocks glass upside down on it and so that you can lift the the full liquid one upside down, um, creating kind of a seal so that it it's there. And then you fill in the rocks glass with some like 7-Up, so like, for the taste. A lemon lime. But then you have the shot glass upside down with the irradiated looking, you know, lemony lime looking stuff and you pull that up and when it pulls it up and it finally that comes pop, out, yep. 
it just pops and makes like the the clear liquid like all looks like a swirl. Oh, cool. And seeing it uh, really uh, looks cool. So look up the nuclear reactor shot, but also looks like it would taste yummy uh, as is. So that is booze in a book this week. Nice. Uh, Anthony, since it's been a while since you've been here, you got any words of wisdom for our listeners? <laughs> I forgot about words of wisdom. <laughs> we uh, haven't done that since Charles has been gone. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Words of wisdom. Um, you know, these it's been a tough year uh, over the last year, and uh, I just think that some great words of wisdom would be, uh, you know, learn to uh, enjoy where you're at and don't worry about uh, your destiny and where you're going. All right. With that, uh, stay thirsty for the next big thing to invest in.